Uh, kids are dismissed. I remembered. <laughs> I think last time I preached at Street Hills, I forgot. <laughs> like awkwardly, someone's like. <laughs> um, is this centered? <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, before I start, um, I do want to say this, um, and every time I have an opportunity to speak to our church in any capacity, whether it's worship or whatever, I always say this, but it's because it's really from the bottom of my heart, and it's just, um, I love you guys. I love this church. Um, I really feel this is my home and my family, and I'm so thankful for this opportunity to speak. I do not take it lightly. In fact, um, it gives me a lot of anxiety to be up here, but I'm here faithfully. Um, but I just, um, yeah, I love this church. So thank you for the opportunity to speak. Um, and, you know, with Pastor Chris not here, I feel a little bit better. <laughs> like, like, I feel a little less pressure. Because right? like, uh, actually the topic I'm going to go into was pretty doctrinally heavy. And I was like, I hope I'm, I was really praying yesterday night, like, God, maybe, may I be faithful to the word? <laughs> like, I don't want to preach anything that is wrong. Um, but yeah, so thank you guys for that opportunity. Um I knew I was speaking this Sunday um, for a, a, a little bit now, and I actually had something in mind. And going into this week, uh, I actually changed my mind because I was like studying it, studying it, and it was actually a lot more like theologically and heavier than I wanted. And I was like, oh man, like that's what that means. <laughs> I, I was like at surface level. So I was like, all right, let's change course and then like, for starting from uh, two weeks ago, I was like, what am I going to preach on? I'm like, what am I going to preach on? And I remember uh, a pastor once said, um, if you don't know what to preach on, and I actually like being given the text. So this time it's like, what do I preach on if I'm not given the text? Um, I was, I didn't know what to preach on. I remember a pastor once saying, um, preach from your weakness. If you don't know what to preach on, whatever you're going through right now is what like, you're going to like, and truth be told when I was making the sermon, I was studying the word. I was like reading commentaries and I was studying, studying because I actually really liked that part. Um, I was like, I had eight points, guys. I had eight. I was like, this is my my doc. My document before I like pared it down was like so crazy. Like I remember Sarah was like, oh, like do you want me to read over it? And I was like, you wouldn't even understand what I was writing. Um, but by God's favor, I was able to bring it down to three points, guys. Okay, so I'll spare y'all. <laughs> We're not gonna be here for an hour. Um, but the topic I actually want to talk about is rest, rest. Um, so recently, I went to, um, and you know, as Karen shared, uh, we went to a retreat called Mount Hermon, and Mount Hermon is a youth retreat for junior high camp, and I was asked to be the speaker. And I had never, ever been to a retreat where I had to prepare five messages. Right? And I was like, that's a lot. Right? And it was a lot. And not only that, this year was the busiest year of my life. Uh, I started my first year in my program. But on top of that, I was in a research lab at school. And on top of that, I was uh, working on the weekends and I was doing ministry. And the moment break ended, I had two weeks to prepare for the, uh, the retreat, right? So I was really, really tired and busy. And I know some of us can relate. I've talked to some of you. I started writing down the things that our church is doing. 
and I am pretty sure I have missed stuff. We have Mercy Ministry, where we do, where we work with foster youth with Olive Crest and working with, in, uh, with Hope Garden and the homeless uh, mothers and cho- uh, children. We have Boba Tea Youth Group. We have prayer meetings. We have Lord of the Games. We have Little Tokyo Tours. We have Evangelism Ministry. We have Theology and Apologetics Ministry. We have Art Shows. We have a Metaverse Show, which I still don't really understand, but I'm excited to go. Small Group, Men's and Women's Ministry, Worship Team, Missions Team. That's not including all the work that goes behind the scenes to plan these things. If you're one of the leaders, you know exactly what I'm talking about, where you're like, hey, is this Saturday good? Are we doing something? We're trying to plan all these things. Some of you are working full-time jobs. You're full-time students. You're homeschooling. You're parenting. Some of you are doing all of those things. Is there anyone tired yet? Just reading that list. And I'm sure I'm missing things. So before I go into our passage, I want to define rest and why we should talk about it. First... Why we should talk about it is because God has designed us for work and for rest. He has designed us for work and for rest. Um, Exodus chapter 31, I'm just going to skim through it because it's a, it's a whole thing, but I just want to bring out some verses. <clears throat> See, I have called by name, so this is a specific person, Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur. Skipping ahead, I filled him with the spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs to work in gold, silver and bronze. And then skipping ahead again, and I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. Colossians 3 verse 23 says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. See, we have been uniquely designed to work. He has given you a gift to work. You are good at something that I am not. Some of you are artists. I am not. And I'm okay with that. Some of you are teachers. Some of you are X, Y, and Z. You know, I was listening to Chris's message when he spoke, and it was just talking about our gifts and the fear that holds us back from our gifts. You have been given a gift. You have been designed to work. But at the same time, we are also designed for rest. God has uniquely designed us to rest. Think about it. Why do we sleep? God did not have to design us that way. Think about it. It's a third of your life. I looked it up because I'm like nerdy like that. I'm like taking all these stats classes. And I was like, (laughs) looked it up. And on average, humans will sleep 26 years. On average, 26 years. Some of us are not even 26 years old. Some of you youth, you're like, 26 years, right? You know what I could do with another 26 years? I could do a lot. Why did he design me to sleep, right? He designed me for rest. On the flip side of it, that same website I was looking at said, we spent 4.5 years eating. (laughs) And I'm like, why didn't God design us to do the opposite? I would love to spend 26 years eating and four years sleeping. (laughs) You know, I was recently in Mexico. And there was a point where I was literally like, why can't I eat more? (laughs) Because there's like street tacos everywhere. There was a taco place that was nine pesos, which is like 40 cents. It's like the best carnitas tacos ever. And I was like, please stomach one more, right? But he designed us to sleep. He designed us to rest. A third of our lives 
is rest. The same chapter of Exodus 31 that I read about how he created certain people with ability says the same chapter, same passage. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Shall be put to death. I was like, whoa, that's serious. You really got to rest. Right? And today, as, um, before we reread, reread our actual passage, um, I'm not going to be talking about physical rest. I want to make that clear. Today's message is actually about spiritual rest. The week after camp, I was very looking forward to doing nothing and relaxing. You know what I mean? Like I was school and then straight to camp. And I was like, I haven't watched the TV show since school started. I'm going to watch some TV shows. I'm going to watch some Dodgers at night. I'm going to go to the gym. It's going to be great. I'm a, no alarm. No alarm. You know what I found out at the end of the week? I was still restless. I was physically rested, but I was restless. I was tired. You guys ever go on a vacation, come back, and you're like, I need another vacation from my vacation. (laughs) This is the message on physical rest. Sleep more, eat healthy, go exercise, you'll feel better. This is not a message on physical rest. This is a message on spiritual rest. Just to make it a little easier for us, uh, John MacArthur has multiple definitions of rest, and I took uh, just a few just to give us an idea of what we're talking about when we when we're asking and look and striving for spiritual rest. Okay, so uh, John MacArthur says, uh, and there he had more definitions, but this is just a few I picked. To rest means to be free from whatever hassles you, from whatever disturbs you, and whatever creates worry in your mind. To enter God's rest simply means to be at peace with God. It means to possess the perfect peace that God gives. Going ahead, uh, rest is also defined as to lie down, to be settled, or to be fixed. No more flux, no more flow, no more shifting around. We could take this again to God's rest and say that God's rest is the kind of rest where a man is positionally established in Christ. That's where I want to be. I no flux. No worries. To be truly in peace with God. So with that, let's read. Uh, let's stand and read God's word. If you turn to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 8. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 8. We're going to read to verse 11. Give us some time. And verse 8 says this. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Amen. You may be seated. So at the camp, the theme of the camp was actually let us, like 
and it, we literally had a picture of lettuce on there. But in the book of Hebrews, there's 14 let us statements. You've probably heard of them. Let us run with endurance. Let us spur one another in love. Uh, let us uh, draw, uh, approach the throne with confidence, right? These let us statements. So I figured, like, we'll just continue it and talk about let us therefore strive to enter to rest. And the rest, God's rest. So it's a, we're just continuing camp, but for adults, right? <laughs> um, so a little background on Hebrews. It's an unknown author. Uh, some people say it's Paul. Some people say it's Peter. Some say Apollos. We don't know for certain. However, one thing we do know is that it is written to a primarily Jewish congregation. In fact, when I started studying this passage, and I was going to just do it on verse 11, uh, I started realizing that this teaching was a bigger teaching that spans from Hebrews 3 all the way to Hebrews 4. So it's two chapters talking about rest. And the analogy the author uses is Canaan, which is the promised land out of the desert when they left Egypt. Okay, And there was a lot of doctrine and a lot of theology behind this. And like I was saying in the beginning, like I was, when I was studying, I was like, like I was that meme, like it's like, where do I take this message, right? Um, but we're gonna really focus on three points. And for those of you who are taking notes, these are the three points. And for uh, and for some of you um, who just want to know what the last point is, because you know when it's ending, you'll know, right? Um, three points for those who are taking notes. Rest comes from submission to Christ. So first is rest comes from submission to Christ. Second is rest is knowing that it is finished. And lastly, rest is uh, when we look forward to our future rest. Looking forward to our future heavenly rest. So uh, starting with the first point, verse 8 says, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So Joshua was actually the leader who led the Israelites out of the desert to Canaan, the promised land. Remember, chapter 3 and chapter 4 talks a lot about Canaan. But it says that if, if Joshua had given them rest, what that is insinuating is that Joshua didn't really give them the rest that we are talking about. Yes, he took them to the promised land. We know that because biblically they made it to the promised land. But Joshua never gave them the rest, right? In fact, uh, the, word jo- the name Joshua is the same Hebrew name for Jesus. So it's interchangeable. So if you have the King James Version, the old King James Version, it will say, for if Jesus had given them rest. But most, almost every scholar agrees they're talking about Joshua of the Old Testament, because if it wouldn't make sense to say if Jesus, like Christ, gave them rest. Like, what? No, he gave us rest. He is the rest. So the first point is that, that Jesus is the greater Joshua. He did what Joshua could not do, right? And probably the most famous verse that I can think of on rest comes from Jesus himself when he says this. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. I'm sure you know it. If you've grown up in church, come to me, all who labor and are heavenly laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what is a yoke? I think it's very important to know what a yoke is. A yoke is a large wooden beam that would connect two animals together, primarily oxen, but you would see it on horses and donkeys as well. So imagine this big wooden block holding two 
animals together so in order for them to carry things. You guys kind of picture, right? It's They're connected and they're carrying things together. But what I didn't know when I was studying this is that at the time, a lot of the Jewish people would actually also know what Jesus was saying when he says, take my yoke. Because in, in the Old Testament, yoke was actually used by kings to talk about subjection and submission. Famously, the Rehoboam story where he says, I'll put a yoke on them that's heavier than my father, 10 times heavier than my father. Right? So that phrase yoke, when he says, take my yoke, what they're hearing is, you have to let me rule over your life also. That's also a contextually what they knew. Not only like the imagery of the oxen, but the idea was take my yoke is saying, I need to rule your life. But he promises what? Even though I'll rule your life, it will be light, right? And it will give you rest. Tim Keller was saying, I uh, was listening to a sermon by him, and he was saying that because he says all who labor and heavy laden, what Tim Keller is insinuating is, or Tim Keller was saying is that Jesus is insinuating all of you are subject or submitting to something. You are yoked to something. That's what Christ is saying. But what is it? It, Maybe it's your career. It's your money, your health, your reputation, your children even, your spouse, your family, your house, your ministry. You are yoked to something. So his invitation to take his yoke, the reason why so many of us are restless and do not have that rest with God, that spiritual rest, is because you have not yet fully surrendered everything to him. He is not your full Lord and Savior. Some of us are restless because we have idols that we are still submitted to. A yoke, when I think about the yoke, the wooden beam, another thing I think about is you have to go at the same pace as Christ. Think about it. If I'm yoked to Christ, I can't go ahead of him and I can't go behind him. Does that make sense? Right? Like you're, you're, you're stuck. You can't go faster than anyone behind them. And I think a lot of us, you are carrying a burden because A, you are either behind him or you are trying to go ahead of him. What do I mean by that? Some of you, God has placed in your heart something to serve in a ministry, to be a part of mercy ministry, prayer team, whatever, and you're not doing it. And you're wondering why you're so restless. Maybe there's a coworker or a cousin that God has placed in your heart to share the gospel with, and you're not doing it. And you're carrying that burden as Christ is walking forward. Some of us are going ahead of him. That's me. When I used to do ministry, I used to just do things. That's a good idea, right? I'll just sign up for things. I'll make my church do things like, oh, like, hey, we have this opportunity to go to Mexico every month. It's like, let's do it. I don't speak Spanish. Let's go, right? We'll do ministry in Mexico. I failed many times, and I'll get burnt out. And then I would hear these, I would read my Bible in the Old Testament, and I would hear all these stories of kings who got in so much trouble by God because, A, they did not seek his counsel, so many. And I would wonder, like, why am I so tired, right? Some of us need to s- slow down and ask, is this what you want? Is this what you want me to do? Should I join this ministry? So again, some of us are falling behind, and some of us were running ahead. You know, uh, 
as I fall in more in love with the word, one thing I realized is that Jesus was never in a hurry. Actually, the story that comes to mind when I think about this is Lazarus. Lazarus is sick. He's dying. Jesus is like, I'll wait two days. He's not in a hurry. His timing is perfect. I don't know why I did this, but yesterday I Googled it. Did Jesus ever run? I don't, that question just came, like physically run. Not like, can he run? Like, he was a man. He can run, right? And I was like, 99% sure he never ran. And I was like, I was right. He never ran. <laughs> like, in the Bible, I, he ran, right? Like, and I'm not trying to take this analogy that far. But what I'm saying is, the idea is, as I've matured, I realize the Christian walk is a walk. It's not a sprint. It's not a crawl. It's a walk. So my question for you is, when's the last time you walked with God? Maybe some of us are restless because you're not seeking the counsel of Christ. He's not Lord of your life. You don't ask him, should I do this? Should I not? Should I join this ministry? Should I not? One thing that I love doing is I love putting away all my electronics, getting my guitar. I'm not that good, but I love it. Getting my iPad picking out a bunch of songs, spending time with him, walking with him. And I love doing that. You know why? Because just me and him. There are times where I'll be singing a song and I'll like repeat it like 10 times. And I'm like, man, if I did that at church, people would kill me. Right? Like, we'll sing this verse again. But you know, when's the last time you've um, walked with God? Secondly, rest comes from knowing that it is finished. It's finished. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did for his. So many of the commentaries I was reading was talking about you cannot earn your self-righteousness and your salvation. This is speaking directly against the idea that you can earn it and the idea that God finished it. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Your works will never be enough. A pastor friend of mine was sharing a message on Sabbath and rest, and he was sharing these outcomes that come from people who have a works-based religion. One, some of us get exhausted because you can't keep up. Right? In a workspace religion, you're like, look at them. I have to do as much as them. But we know that God has uniquely created us for different things. So we get exhausted. Secondly, some of us who have a higher work capacity, some of us who can do a lot of things or are very gifted, what happens? You become arrogant. You become proud. Pastor Garen was sharing a message last week where he was sharing very honestly with us that he was in that place where he was asking people, why can't you keep up with me? Why aren't you doing as much as me? Right? You become arrogant and proud. And some of us in a workspace religion, you feel guilty. I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. See, one thing you need to realize is that we can rest because God finished the job. He did what we could not do. 
You are saved by faith, not by your works. Some of us, you don't want to serve because you're struggling in a sin. You didn't see what I said to that person last week. I have no right to serve. But no, your faith in Christ has saved you. John chapter 19, verse 30, when Jesus has received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Revelations 21, verse 6, and he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. You know, when I first got saved, I grew up in an um, Asian-Korean culture where, unfortunately, I received love based on my works, right? I got loved if I did well. I, d- I got loved if I got an A, not a B, right? I got loved for uh, being more active or whatever, right? Or being more submissive, all those things. I was raised in that. And so when I got saved, I carried that over to my own life. I, when I got saved, I went crazy, guys. Like, I was like, God, I'm, you're going to love me, right? Like, I, was like, I was in high school. I was like telling all my friends, you need to come to church with me, right? I was that guy. Because I had to earn his love, right? I have to do all these works. But what ends up happening in those situations what ends up happening is that what if the works fail? What if you can't give the works? What if it's not good? What do you start feeling? Start feeling guilty. Who am I? Why am I here? Why do I go to church? Right? You start taking on this idea that you can earn salvation through works. And I'm here to say it is done. It is finished. Put your faith in Christ. We are restless. We are missing out on God's rest because you think you have to earn it. Now, this is not a message that's saying don't work. I think works is a fruit of salvation, right? It's, it's an evidence of your salvation. In fact, the most godly people I know, and I'm including leaders at this church and many of you, Sometimes I'm like, how are you doing this? How are you serving so much joyfully? Right? How are they doing this? I think it's those people, they realize, it's, I'm not doing this to earn God's love or my own self-righteousness. Right? Lastly, rest is from our future heavenly rest. Our future heavenly rest. Going back to verse 8, it says, For Jesus had given them, or not Jesus, Joshua had given them rest. God would not have spoken of another day later on. So there then remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. When I was reading the um, commentaries, uh, uh, Wearsby was saying there's actually three types of rest that is being talked about in Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. It's our past rest, our present rest, and our future rest. And one of the rests that is very thematically seen throughout Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 is our future rest. In fact, the author of Hebrews later says in chapter 11, in the very famous Hall of Faith chapter, talking about all the men of God, what does it say? It says in verse 16, but as it is, they desire a better country. 
that is a heavenly one. Perhaps, perhaps, we are restless because we're not meant to be here. This world has fallen. There's a, there, I have kind of accepted in my life that I will never find true, full rest here on earth. Because I was not made for this place. Right? I, this is not my home. Right? I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but I will. <laughs> if you're living for what this world has to offer you, it will let you down. It's going to let you down. This world is failing. You know, in one of the um, messages I gave at the junior high camp, you know what I showed them? I showed them a uh, slide that says the universe is dying. I was like, it's dying. You know, it's all coming to an end. If you put your faith in stocks and housing market and stuff, man, you are an anxious person. I I can already tell. I don't even know who you are. I just know. I just know. This world is failing. You know, um, like I like I love basketball. Like I, I'm not very good because I didn't grow up playing as a kid and like high school and stuff. I picked it up in college and later, so I'm not very skilled. Like I'm not like, you know, like, like. Uh, but what I really prided myself, what I really really prided myself is my cardio, my work ethic, and my defense. Right? I'm like, even if I'm not skilled, I got cardio, baby. Right? Like I'll be like running up and down that floor. Right? And then. No joke, this last year, I was a couch potato when school started. Oh, my goodness. I'd be at school all day, and then I'll come home, and I'm on my computer writing papers, and I didn't walk at all. Oh, my. It's so bad. And I remember uh, one of the breaks during uh, I went to the gym, my UCR gym my, with, like, 18-year-olds. Oh, my goodness. I was like, I, I'm like that guy who watches people shooting, and I'm like, how are they shooting? Oh, their pockets right here. All right, that's that's. I'm a mess. Oh, right, they, so like literally, there. My mind is there though, right? Like I'm like guarding this kid. He, 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 I was like, he really wanted to do like he had this hesitation move where he'll fake left and go right. I'm like, boom, I got it, dude. I'm gonna be right there on the right. I'm gonna cut him off. And then literally, I'm like, why is he over there and I'm here? <laughs> like why why am I here and you're there? What happened? <laughs> like, I I knew he was going that way. <laughs> Right? My body is failing. I am no longer who I was. Right? If you put your trust on the things of this world, you know, I'm joking with that. But really, some people do. They put their trust in their physical health. That can be taken from you. We saw that with COVID. Finances, your family even. Many of us have gone through a lot of uh, struggles with their families. Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. This verse is so amazing. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed are the people who die. <laughs> Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. And the spirit, the so Holy Spirit comes and agrees and says, blessed indeed. That they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. There's gonna come a day where all the pain and all the hurt is coming to an end. Right? It's coming to an end. And if you put your trust 
on earth, you will be so restless. You'll be so anxious. You won't find any spiritual rest because it's going to let you down. Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, a very famous verse. He will wipe away every tear from her eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Now, I remember I was talking to John, like, not that long ago, where I was like, when he wrote the song Heaven, I was like, dude, I love songs about heaven. We need more songs about heaven. I'm sick of this life. Right? Like, we want to look forward. You guys know what I'm talking about? When you look forward, right, you get so much done. You know what I mean? There's no anxiousness. When you look forward to a better day, C.S. Lewis has this quote. I actually have this printed in my house. Not printed. Like I bought like a little cute placard thing that has this. Has this world been so kind to you that you should leave with regret? There are better things ahead than any we leave behind. Everything that's beautiful and amazing here, heaven is better. And I find that people who have their sights set on heaven, they're the ones who can work and not get tired. You guys know what I'm saying? Like people who have eternity in mind, they're like, this is temporary. It's like, dude, work is like 30, 40, 50 years of your life. What do you mean it's temporary? They can look forward to the next life. They're the ones, the leaders at this church Right? I've been so challenged, seriously. Like, I was actually coming down with Garen um, on the truck from the retreat for we're going to go pick something up. And I was just asking him, like, like, would you do this again next year? He's like, I'm going to do it every year if, if they let me. I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> In my head, I was like, what is wrong with you? How are you doing that? <laughs> How? <laughs> I only came from half of it because I got COVID. And I was like, that was exhausting. <laughs> you were there for 10 days, man. And you have two kids. But I see some of my leaders. Remember even when Pastor Chris had his health scare and he was talking about the next life. I'm like, that's how they can do it. They look forward to the next life. So we're going to end. And this is important for me, and I hope it's important to you. Verse 11 says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Strive. Better translation is actually be diligent. So that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. It would not be um, loving of me to not teach the full word. And that is that some of us are not going to enter that future rest. In fact, I know it not because I'm God, but because the Bible says the path is narrow. The gate is narrow. But wide is the gate that leads to destruction. I truly ask, as we talked about how Christ finished it on the cross, and if you're tired of working and thinking your good works will be good enough. I'm here to tell you it will never be good enough. That is why Christ had to come. And that is why Christ had to die. Because our works were never going to be good enough. And so I sincerely ask for those of you to strive to enter that rest. 
Isn't that such a strange word? Because of the verse right before it, it says, what does it say? It says, you can, not, you can stop working, right? It says, you can rest. And then it says, to strive. I remember I was reading that. I was like, what a paradox. What do you mean? You just told me to rest, and then you tell me to strive. Please, be diligent to enter that rest. Stay on the narrow path. Stay and walk towards the narrow gate. I have seen many friends who I've walked with not walk with it anymore. In this verse, it says, why do they not? Because of disobedience. In Hebrews chapter 3, remember, it's all connected. Verse 19 says, so we see that they were unable to rest because of unbelief. Unbelief and disobedience. We can close our eyes. Um, we're going to call it time of um, prayer of worship. You can start getting ready. Guys, let's enter into that rest. Let's, right, it says disobedience and unbelief is what made them fall out of that rest. I have friends, if I ask them today, do you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord? They would say yes. But they live a life of sin. They are living a life apart from the Lord, but they would tell me to my face that God is real. Disobedience. Some of us are living in sin and disobeying his commands. But let's be diligent to enter that rest. Unbelief. Some of you believe in your heart that God's finished work is not good enough. You don't know my sin. You don't know what I've been through. It's not good enough. Unbelief and disobedience. Before we go into a time of worship, I asked uh, LA Church to do this, and I think it would be good for us. Think about those three points. And think about what areas in your life you are restless. First was submission to Jesus, that Jesus is the greater Joshua. He gives you rest, but only if you are subjected and surrendered to him. Everything you do, whether you eat, drink, who to talk to, you surrender that to the Lord. Secondly, some of us here, you are restless because you are struggling with a works-based religion. You think your good works will save you. And when those good works fail, you feel restless. Man, I failed at this. You need to be reminded that it is finished. And lastly, like that C.S. Lewis quote, some of us love this world too much. We have fallen in love with this world. And we don't look forward to that future rest, that heavenly rest. There's no pain, no sorrow, no tears. So with our eyes closed, I want you to pray to the Lord and think about those three, and Karen will close us in worship.